When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our week five college football on Fox Spaces with the biggest games on tap for this week. Brought to you by Wendy's. I'm RJ Young. He is Jeff Schwartz. As always, Jeff, I got to start with the most important question of the night. How was the Wendy's? Dude, those spicy chicken nuggies hit the spot. Oh, we hadn't gotten those yet. At least I hadn't gotten those yet. And they were delicious. My, I stay away from the sugar a little bit. So my son had uh, the mango lemonade, which he loved. But those those spicy nuggets, man. You remember last year we were doing the tailgate and the nuggets fell on the ground. I ate them anyways. Their nuggets are delicious, man. They're delicious. They're worth eating off the ground. So I, this way I was able to eat them clean and I loved them. So you have a story about the Wendy's. I have a story about the Wendy's. Uh, we got the cheeseburger, uh, large fries, and the spicy chicken nuggets, as you uh, alluded to. And I get the bag. I bring it inside. I put it down. I go get a beverage. I come back. They sent me a beverage. I you know, think, okay, cool. I'm going to go have another beverage. And M'Baku is in the bag. M'Baku is my uh, cane corsa. He's 110 pounds. He's bigger than I am. And my man had decided, no, RJ, uh, this is not your Wendy's. It's our Wendy's. I live here too, you know? So I did not get to enjoy the Wendy's, but I can tell you it's all gone. And my man in Baku went ahead and destroyed. As I expect this week five college football slate to do the same. It's really, really scrumptious as we take a look at it. At the top of the list for you and I, I think, is number four, Michigan at Iowa. That is the big noon game on tap for the week. Start with this. This is a rematch of the Big Ten Championship game for which you and I were at Lucas Oil Stadium to see that live and in color. Michigan made light work of Iowa, 42-3. How do you think this one's going to go, Jeff? Well, I don't think it'll be that big of a spread, but I definitely think that Michigan has the advantage here of just being just a a more well-rounded team, right? Um, We we saw Iowa put up some points last week against Rutgers, 27 to be exact, but they're just so reliant on – being great on defense that it really concerns me that when you're playing a Michigan team, they can do really everything well, but that's not enough. Right. And I, I get it. Iowa plays really well at home against ranked opponents. That's all true, but Michigan's not going to be worried about that. They played in big games before, as you mentioned, they played this game last season, even with a different quarterback. I get that. But to me, there's going to be um, just too much for Iowa to overcome here. If Michigan plays the way they can play, there's just, too, there's, there's, there's they're just too well-rounded RJ and I was not I hear you but let me push back on this because I have been a big fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes since the preseason and a lot of it has to do with the defense and the defense has even exceeded my expectations the defense has scored 16 points the defense has allowed 23 points that is a 66 year low through four games I would also add 
Iowa has played a much more difficult schedule than Michigan. Yes. Most folks would point out, hey, RJ, Michigan is averaging 50 points a game. I said against UConn, Hawaii, and Colorado State. That is not exactly the, the toughest schedule in the world. So I'll give it back to you on this. If Iowa can do what I think they're going to do, which is prevent Blake Corum from running rough shot over them, Michigan's averaging 234 rush yards a game. Blake Corum put up 243 last week against Maryland. Then you've got to put it on J.J. McCarthy to go beat that defense. Do you think the sophomore quarterback can go beat that Iowa defense? That's the tough part, right, of this game, is that we haven't seen him do it yet. And this is a really good defense who has forced a ton of turnovers over the year, right? And, you know, we keep saying, and this is absolutely true, that turnovers – are luck they're they're being in the right place at the right time but a lot of them is end up being turnover luck but for iowa this is their identity now for six straight years they have dominated taking the ball away from their opponent now you add in a quarterback who's young and experienced on the road in an environment that's tougher than he to your point has played so far this year they could definitely be concerned but i think again like rj if iowa can't move the ball offensively right even if they force turnovers it it doesn't matter are they going to score 17 points in this game 14 points. Michigan's going to eventually wear them down and score, which we saw in happen in, in the in the conference championship game, right? They just warm down, warm down, eventually, boom, bust out, you know, a couple of those explosive plays. So that's my concern is that, yeah, McCarthy might struggle, but can Iowa do enough offensively to keep this game close at the end? It's a very good point. Uh, Blake Quorum wasn't really the dude that broke it open for them as much as Donovan Edwards did last year, and he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. If he can yeah. go this week, I think he gives them an added dimension, but I also think J.J. McCarthy is going to get them in as much trouble as he gets them out of and against Iowa. (laughs) I don't know that that's going to work. Now, last part about this is on the Iowa offensive side, for which we know it is anemic to say the least. Yes. But Spencer Petras and that offense have not turned the ball over in the last two games. How would you feel as a football coach if you knew that if the offense gets you 14 points, you're probably going to win the football game? How would that feel for you? Oh, I mean, <laughs> not not great. Not great. It, the thing about it, it's, it's you know the thing about it though is like, is college football, it it's easier to score. Like you you mm-hmm. have a a not a wider field than the NFL, but with the hash marks, they're you, end, down, you yeah. end up getting a wider field, right? So like if you're in the left hash, from the left hash to the sideline, all the way to the right, the wide side is longer than the NFL, right? There's so much room and space. Like you should be able to generate plays because of the space well, we see, how many teams do we see generate space and generate explosive plays just from throwing the ball out to the wide receiver and like iowa doesn't do like doesn't try to be creative and it just simply creative like let's just find a way to get our wide receiver one-on-one in space they just don't do that enough and so um it's a tough spot to be in to, to like beg your offense to score 14 points in a game it is definitely an offense that is very much fine living in 1997. That's who they are. That's who they've been. They love a rock fight. They will tell you that Tory Taylor, their punter, is one of the best players on the team, and they're saying that without any sarcasm at all. They genuinely <laughs> believe that this is who they are. It's how they want to get down. And as a former wrestling captain, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to go to Iowa City uh, because I grew up worshiping at the altar of one Dan Gable, and then down the road, you, yeah. you got a Kale Sanderson at Iowa State doing great things at Penn State. I could go on about the wrestling part of this for a very long time, but <laughs> I want to move on to a much more modern feeling game, at least to me, in Oklahoma State at Baylor. That's number nine, Oklahoma State, at number 16, Baylor. Another game that was a conference championship yeah. last year. This is Big 12. Look, Spencer Sanders in this game, 
threw four interceptions, and the Cowboys still came up just six inches short of winning the Big 12 championship. They end up going to the Fiesta Bowl, and they beat Notre Dame, and they're riding high. I genuinely think that Spencer Sanders is going to throw Baylor the football again this year, but if it takes four interceptions, I don't know that that's a game that they're going to win again. How do you see this one playing out for Oklahoma State and Baylor? Well, I think in, in a rematch like this, and the teams are still pretty close to what they were last year, obviously different personnel and certain, you know, certain, especially Oklahoma State doesn't have as many weapons as they had last season, at least not the guys that we know of. Um, you the, the, the advantage to me is on Oklahoma State side, right? Because when you throw that many interceptions, you're able to look at that film and figure out why that happened, right? And obviously in Baylor, and I saw Dave Rana talk about this, he goes, last year's last year. And he's absolutely right. But you kind of are going to do what you did last year because it worked. And and so, the, you know, the advantage Oklahoma State has here is knowing that. Now the question becomes, obviously, if they can take advantage of this and, and if Saunders can take advantage of, of um, you know, finding ways to attack Baylor's defense, and we'll find out as we go. But to me, you know, Baylor, just, again, they're 32nd in the country in points per drive. Like, they're good on defense. But my question becomes their offense, dude. They're there are there are 106 in the country right now, explosive play rate on offense. They're just not moving the ball down the field in a way where um, even if they do force turnovers, can they can they make Oklahoma State pay for those pay for those turnovers? They haven't really shown the ability to do that so far this season. I think that they can, but I also think that they're built to win using the defense in a much more modern way than say Iowa. The way that I look at this is last year. Baylor made the Big 12 championship, won the Big 12 championship, won a Sugar Bowl with a linebacker who became a running back who rushed for 1,600 yards. His name's Abram Smith, right? This year, they went and got a dude from Bellevue, Texas. Uh, And Richard Reese was ranked number 710 as a recruit in the 2021 class, shows up there and is leading the team in rushing. Blake Shapin is not going to throw you the football. He's going to take care of it. I think with the defense that they're able to field, with the way that Dave Aranda has been able to employ that really outstanding three-man defensive line, they're just fine doing that and sitting back and letting you make a mistake. The difference, I think, is when you have a team like BYU, for whom they lost to, a team that can absolutely challenge you vertically down the field and still run the ball on you, then you have some problems. I think you're going to just look at Spencer Sanders and say, where do your eyes take me? If you can trick me into thinking you're going somewhere else with the football – you're going to win. If you can't, we're going to take the ball from you and we're going to give it to Richard Reese and we're going to grind out the clock. Does that seem too far-fetched to you? No, it certainly doesn't. Um, some other things to consider in this game too is, as I kind of look at my notes here, um, you know, Blake Shapin, Baylor's quarterback, and that's kind of why I think they tried to, to avoid using him as, as much as possible. Um, he's been uh, under pressure a bunch this year, 28% of his dropbacks, and he's only completed 40% of passes under pressure. And this is a big problem, you know, in this game where, you know, you mentioned Saunders ball security. If Shapin has to get, you know, has to get into a game where he becomes the offense, um, that becomes a problem for But I think they all have their warts. I feel like to me, this is one of those where like who makes, and this is a say for every game, but like just who can make less mistakes, who can stick to their game plan, not have issues with turnovers and just kind of grind the other team out as a way they both want to win. Other thing too, is that um, Baylor's really good at home. Like they're really good at home, and that th- those things matter in college football way more than any almost any other sport. And they've won nine straight games um, at home, and um, that that kind of as as the crowd gets louder and things build up and things don't go well, it does it does kind of 
you know, kind of put a shock in your system if you're the away team. So we'll have to see how Oklahoma State handles, uh, you know, when things, they're going to go wrong at some point in this game. I'm really interested on the point that you raise about what Shapin is going to be able to do or not do, because I think it's a great point about what it's been like for him to drop back. I also think that when you're looking at the Oklahoma State defense that has a new defensive coordinator that hasn't really been tested, yeah. that's where I think kind of like Michigan and Iowa, you're going to see whether or not somebody has some battle scars that they can reflect on in that Baylor went out and played a really good Brigham Young team as yes. far as I'm concerned. And Oklahoma State still ain't played nobody, Paul. Like they're averaging 51.7 points per game and number one in scoring offense, but against who? Central Michigan's the best team you played outside of perhaps Arizona State who fired their head coach a couple weeks ago, right? That's where we're at with that one. I I think that the winner of that game, regardless, though, is going to be one of those two teams that plays in the Big 12 championship game. So this game definitely has those sort of implications as a top 25 matchup should. Yeah. Next game on the schedule for you and I, number seven, Kentucky at number 14, Ole Miss. That is a noon kickoff, and it's fascinating because there are numbers involved. You know I love my statistics. Let me get this one out. Kentucky's last win at Ole Miss came in 1978. Ole Miss has won its last 12 home games yeah. in a row, and this is the first time that Kentucky and Ole Miss have played each other when both are ranked since 1958. Jeff, knowing all this history is coming to the forefront, how do you expect this one to go? Um, wow. You know, last year, Kentucky relied a lot on their offensive line, their run game, right? We saw how successful they were and has not been the same this season. Uh, but Chris Rodriguez should be back this weekend. They're, they're starting running back. Uh, he had 27 rushing touchdowns last year, almost 1400 yards. And because they've been, they've been bad. They've been bad. They're 125th in, in rushing yards, 120th in, in sack and sack and sacks a lot. Like I'm surprised even even if their running back's not there, I'm surprised to see the lack of rushing success, the last of the lack of explosive plays, and the amount of times uh, the Will Levis has, has been hit, and he has been the offense so far. 1,200 yards, nearly passing. Um, you know, some more to count um, with his with his legs a little bit here. So, uh, to me, if Kentucky can get their run game back, that limits the opportunities for Ole Miss to get on the field with their offense and use it to their you know to you know to, to their ability, which we know they're going to run the ball. They're going to find plays in, you know, in, in, in the RPO game and they're going to try to, to tempo you to death. Right. But if they can't do that, they're not on the field. They're not as good at, at doing that, obviously. Right. So to me, I think this game comes down to if Kentucky can get their offensive line back playing the way that they expect them to play with the run game, they will have a chance to win this game. If not, eventually the defense will break and Ole Miss will score enough points to win this game. I don't think that that's, too far-fetched at all, Jeff. I think you, you nailed it there, especially with the emergence of Chris Rodriguez. We don't know what he is, right, because he hasn't played yet, but he is 2021's SEC leader in rushing, full stop. Yeah. And Will Levis has been the offense. He had, I believe, all of three passing games of 300 yards or more last year. He's already hit that number in the first four games of the season, even as he's been hit a lot more. They're a little bit more two-dimensional as opposed to one-dimensional last yeah. year. March Stoops' defense is always going to be March Stoops' defense. But I watched a bunch of Ole Miss last uh, last week. Why? Because the University of Tulsa played at Ole Miss, at Watt Hemingway, and I have a vested interest in the University of Tulsa. Now, the thing to take away from this is that Jackson Dart was used to exploit the Tulsa defense in a way that I don't know that I feel comfortable if I'm play calling. 
because you're having that dude run out in the open field and you're having him getting waylaid. So much so that referees are pulling aside Golden Hurricane players and saying, hey, look, you can't hit him when he's doing that. It's like, well, hey, he's running at us. What do you want us to do? Yeah. All to say, you can run tempo and you can run your quarterback and then you're going to have to go play Kentucky the next week after he's been brutal, uh, let's say bloodied and banged up by the University of Tulsa. Add in there. TU scored 27 points in the first half and only gained, uh, didn't 20 points in the second half, wins that game 35-27. I think that Ole Miss is right for the picking here, and the University of Kentucky is going to continue to make us look good as being one of the two teams that I think can challenge Georgia for the SEC East title, the other one being Tennessee. Oh, did I say something that got your attention there? I, I think Georgia was kind of BSing against Kent State. I, I don't know, and maybe I have some people. <laughs> I made some PTSD from week one, but good luck playing them. We'll see. We'll see. I'm looking forward to those matchups. Uh, next on the schedule for you and I, number yeah. two, Alabama at number 20, Arkansas. Uh, I believe that this is going to be ridiculous because, all right, Jeff, what if I told you that Arkansas is a good football team, even borderline great football team? They happen to just play in the SEC West. But because yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. They also haven't beaten Alabama since I was a senior in high school. Yeah, that's I mean, like, they, what, 50 years ago? Is that, <laughs> like, like, it's 2006. 2006. And even then, it's 24-23. So they've never beaten Nick Saban, whoever the head coach is at Arkansas. They came close last year, 42-35, in a game that a lot of people gave Arkansas some respect for that hadn't before because of how closely they had played the yeah. team that we all thought was going to win the national championship. So knowing that you have all this history on Alabama's side, how do you expect Arkansas to play against Alabama? Do you expect them to pull out a win? So there's talk this week about, you know, people being upset. At least I've seen, I don't know how, you know, of course the internet, you know, you never really know about people like questioning Alabama's defense. Have you seen that a little bit this week? Yeah. Just like, just like and, well, and I go, getting chippy out and, there too, saying, how dare you step on the field? Oh, I, know. I know that's, that's pretty fun. Right. The, the motivation <laughs> of players, but I look at this and they're second in the country in points per drive and, in yards per drive. And I get it. The first half against Texas was shaky when Quinn Ewers was in there, but that's been it so far. Right. And so you can make the argument that Arkansas is easily the best test that this Alabama team has had in a while. And I definitely think for Alabama, you know, we're seeing, you know, just over the years, they've lost so many weapons on offense and it's just hard to replace those guys. I, and I get they're five stars replacing five stars, but it takes some time for your guys to get in the swing of things. So Bryce Young is not as comfortable offensively and then generating those explosive plays as he has in the past. But, but RJ, Arkansas gives up a ton of explosive plays. So um, if you're looking for a game for Alabama to break out, this could be the one where they, where they do that. And I just, I don't think Arkansas has the dude's over 60 minutes to win this game. Um, we'll find out obviously on Sunday, but I, I'm skeptical of that. I, I think, I, and I look, I like Sam Pittman, former offensive line coach. Like I love all everything he's about, but I think over 60 minutes, there's not enough in the tank for them to get this. Alabama plays their A game. I have never been more thrilled about a head coach at an SEC school than I am about Sam Pittman. I full stop. Right. I, I love He's that. great. I, I love it. Yeah, he, he's outstanding. And he's been able to keep a staff together that I also think wants to win. That said, I also think he's got the dudes to run with Alabama, but it's about whether or not you show up to the big team in the big moment. They didn't against Georgia last year. They got embarrassed by what is, we came to find out is one of the better defensive teams that we've seen in the last decade. Yeah. yeah. But, you're also going up against 
and some history that I think, think is hard, which is to say only Tennessee and Alabama, aside from like a Vanderbilt, right, have not beaten Alabama since yeah. the iPhone was invented in the <laughs> SEC. It's just it's full stop there, man. That's a lot to overcome. But if anybody can get it done this season, hell, Jimbo Fisher got it done last season. Jimbo Fisher barely beat Arkansas off of a yeah. dunk and a field goal. Point. I mean, we're celebrating after it's the worth, it, field goal. It, it's worth pointing out, too, that, you know, this year the toughest game Bama's had so far was at Texas, right? Right. We saw last year the toughest game Bama had, really two of them were at Florida and at A&M. And so I think there is something, too, going to Arkansas this weekend and play in front of that crowd and maybe your offensive weapons just quite aren't the same and battling through adversity. And so I, I think, I think there, there could be upset potential here, but again, the hard part about playing these teams like Bama man is you gotta do it for 60 minutes. I remember playing USC back in 04 and 05, right? Those teams we played at, like we, we were up at halftime and then we weren't up at halftime very quickly. You know, like it was like, you, you can play well for a while and those great teams know how to play those 60 minutes and Arkansas might not be there quite yet. I'm with you, uh, but we'll find out. I, I hope this is the year. I'm pulling for the pit boss on this one. Next one on for us is number 10, North Carolina State, at Death Valley to play number five, Clemson. I put out a poll on the Twitters asking folks, which team do they think is most right for an upset, Alabama, Clemson, or I believe Michigan is the other team I put out there. And most folks pick Clemson. Are you picking Clemson for being right for an upset? Um, it, you think it's an overreaction from, from playing Wake, who has an exceptional offense that you don't see very often. It's kind of tough to defend. Um, I, I don't know. Does NC State strike you as having that offense? Um, yeah. they played like two teams really worth. I mean, they played East Carolina. They're showing the schedule right now is 106. East Carolina, Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, and Connecticut. And they scored 27 points against Texas Tech. So, that's really about all you. I think you can you can take forward. I, I don't. I just don't know if they have the offense. And and I think we we knock on Clemson's offense. And yes, they have at times this year shown themselves to be not as good as we thought. But they score a bunch of points, RJ. Like by the end of the game, you're looking up and you're like, oh, okay, they, they got 48 points. They're in the 50s. Like they're better. I think we give them credit for. I think it's gonna be tough for NC State here. I kind of feel like Clemson got their scare last weekend and they're at home this weekend as well. Um, I think Clemson puts it together and NC State just has a tough game moving the ball. DJ Uyunglele is better than we've given him credit for, but he also yes. is the number 10 player in the class of 2020. So I don't know sure, how better but... he can be than we give him credit for it. And he went off 371, five TDs. Yeah. He has to do that again against North Carolina State because the defense is as good as Clemson's defense and Devin Leary can sling it. I like North Carolina State in that game. Um, and I want to talk a little bit before we get out of here, though, about my number 18, Oklahoma, facing Texas Christian, who's undefeated, going down to Fort Worth for a game against Sonny Dykes, feeling good. It's Bo Hutton season here in Oklahoma beginning on Saturday. And I'm telling everybody that because I have brought home my trophies in my day, being from the state of Oklahoma. And, uh, well, it's the most dangerous game in the Big 12 now because everybody's hunting Oklahoma, and you better come out there with compound on your John Rambo. <laughs> so, Jeff, give me on the way out something nice to say about the Oklahoma Sooners as they get ready to go battle the, the Horn Frogs. We have a text chain with me, you, and a couple of our bosses. Mm -hmm. And I was silent for about three hours and 45 minutes on Saturday until my team started winning. 
and RJ went silent at the end of this game, and Oklahoma started losing. <laughs> it's very predictable as we go. Well, one of our bosses is a Georgia fan, so he he can he can talk as much as he wants. Uh, look, I um, I, the thing with Oklahoma this season is you have a new coaching staff, a new philosophy, a new way of doing things. You're just going to have games, in my opinion, where you're just not playing as well as, as you thought you would, right? And defensively, I know Brett Venables is trying to get that team playing better, and that's been the kind of the bugaboo for them with Lincoln Riley, right? The defense just had these games you saw against Kansas State where you let Adrian Martinez run all the way through you. Um, and so I imagine they play better this weekend, but you're exactly right. They get everyone's A game. Like I And I, I just, again, when you transition from like an offensive-based team to more defensive-minded head coach, it takes time to make that transition for, you know, in that, and we've seen this like my school, Oregon, right? Like defensively, there's sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, like, what are we doing? It just takes time. Right. Right. Like you have to install brand new concepts and things. So I'm not worried about Oklahoma. Um, uh, and I think they're going to be just fine. Plus two. I mean, what killed them in this game was Adrian Martinez rushing the football. TCU's use offense does not do that. Right. Their quarterback is not gonna, in this air raid offense. That's not what they do. And so you just, you, you're going to see a different offense and I think you're going to be fine. From your mouth to his ears. And we're going to leave it right there. Uh, Jeff Schwartz <laughs> and I will be back next week for week six college football on Fox's space is brought to you by Winnie's for the fine folks at Winnie's and the entire Fox sports crew. I'm RJ young. He's Jeff Schwartz. We will see y'all next week. Deuces. <laughs>